He created the stars. He created the mountains. He created the seas. And he, the creator of the universe, created me. I am his. Good morning and welcome to Life Church. I'm Aaron Cole, the senior pastor. It's great to see you today. Can we welcome our Appleton campus, our online campus, Germantown campus, wherever people are joining us? One church, multiple locations. That's what I love about technology and, and love about multi-site and all that we're doing here at Life Church. It's not just in one place, it's people literally around the world that are connecting. And uh, so it's great to see you today. I hope that you're enjoying this incredible weather that we're having. It's awesome and amazing. And, uh, and I, hope that, uh, I hope many of you will see today at the uh, golf tournament. I know there's a couple teams coming from Appleton campus, and then there's teams coming from the Germantown campus. Of course, my winning team will be there as well today to congratulate all of you. And uh, I got, I'm just telling you, I got some good people. I'm not a good golfer. I look good, but I don't play good. And uh, that's, that's the secret. So um, anyhow, today we're continuing on in our series uh, on, uh, on this book of Ephesians. So if you have your Bibles, if you turn with me to Ephesians chapter 3, we're going to look at the first 11 verses of Ephesians chapter 3. And the title of my message today is, I am accountable. And we're going to talk about accountability. Accountability is not like a fun word to talk about. It, quite frankly, most people, I think, kind of have a, a weird view of accountability. Most of the time when you hear the word accountable, you think in terms of, uh, then, you know, of a boss or a parent or an authority figure, a coach, someone in your life that you are under. And, but accountability really is not a, down, a top-down word. It's more of a bottom-up word. It's, it, accountability is, is what, what I call an upward, meaning that you as a leader, you as a coach, you as a teacher, you as a, any authority figure, pastor, boss, whatever, it doesn't matter, in any type of authority... You cannot demand um, followership to be accountable to you. Uh, followership, those that are following that person that's in authority in any capacity, they have to offer that up. Every staff I worked on, every job I did, I would go to that pastor, to that leader, to that boss and say, look, I'm here to submit myself to you. If you see me doing X, Y, Z, please come and have a conversation with me. I'm opening the door. I'm inviting you to candidly give me input into my life because here's where I am, but I don't want to just stay here. I want to grow. And, uh, and so that's an upward. And, uh, but, but with accountability, when that authority comes in and says, hey, we need to make some course corrections, or hey, we need to make some, some adjustments here, then there's got to be a willingness to submit. And there's also got to be an understanding that I am ultimately going to stand and give an account for myself. Uh, and so we give an account for all kinds of things. We give an account to where we work. We give an account to if, you, if you're in a publicly traded company, to shareholders. You give an account in a privately traded company or a privately held company to your employees and to the people that you work. Even as a leader, you're accountable to those people. Uh, I'm accountable to you. I'm accountable to the staff. I'm accountable to the elder board here. Uh, we, we all have someone that we're accountable to. And what that means is that there are times when, when there's going to be, you know, you're going to have to give an account and when you talk about giving an account and being accountable, then in comes this word, excuses. 
And, well, you see, what had happened was, <laughs> um, you know, I, 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 well, you know, and it kind of goes. And so when I'm thinking about excuses and I'm working on this message this week, I came across an article uh, from my youth pastor days. And I just thought it was hilarious. And so uh, I asked Tammy if I could share it. She said I could share all but one. Uh, so I deleted that one. And, but if you email me, I'll tell you what it was. And, um, but it's from Seventeen Magazine. Not that I read Seventeen Magazine, but we youth pastored for a decade. And so I was constantly looking for things with students. And so these are excuses, actual excuses. You're going to see them on the screen as I read them. Actual excuses that parents wrote notes for their kids to excuse them from school. So I just think it's funny. So first one, my son is under a doctor's care and could not take PE yesterday. Please execute him. <laughs> Please excuse Cynthia for being absent. She was sick and I had her shot. <laughs> Please excuse Tom for being absent on January 28th, 29th, 30th, 31st, 32nd, and 33rd. <laughs> this next one's my favorite. Please excuse Danny for being. It was his father's fault. Um, June could not come to school yesterday because she was bothered by very close veins. These are actual. Richard had an acre in his side. Please excuse Tim for being absent last week. He could not talk because of Larry and Jidus. Please excuse Nancy for staying home. The doctor said her lungs are too full to be outside. And please excuse Robert for being absent. He had a cold and could not breed well. Excuses. I am accountable. Ephesians chapter 1. If you have your Bible, we're going to read that starting in verse 1. Paul says, For this cause I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for you Gentiles, if you have, have heard, if indeed you have heard the dispensation of grace of God, which was given to me for you, how that by the revelation he made known to me the mystery that as I have written, uh, already written, by which, when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, as it has been, been revealed by the Spirit to his holy apostles and the prophets. Verse 6. That then the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ through the gospel, of which I became a minister according to the gift of grace of God given to me by the effective working of his power. Verse 8, to me, I am less than all the, all the saints. The grace was given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and, make, and to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God who created all things through Jesus Christ to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and the powers in heavenly places according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. There's three major statements that all kind of work together to, that communicate what Paul is saying here in this first part of chapter 3. The first is, is you find it in verse 1. It's a statement for this cause. And for this cause means one's reason for being. It's a life's mission. One's reason for being, or it's a life's mission. For this cause, Paul says. I, I, I am, look at verse 1 again. For this cause, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for you Gentiles. He's writing to the church in Ephesus, which was predominantly full of Gentile believers. That was his calling. 
We see down in verse 8, Paul says this, explains his cause. I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. And as you read verses 9, 10, and 11, I won't go back and reread that. It just kind of gives you the depth of how Paul, uh, how his preaching to the Gentiles operates. It's like a parenthetical thought. It's intended to give depth and meaning behind really what he's doing. But I want you to see this, is that Paul's for this cause fulfills God's plan. His preaching to the Gentiles fulfills the plan of God. John 3.16 is God's plan, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but would have eternal or everlasting life. That's the plan of God. That's the heartbeat of God. Not willing that any should perish. Great, Aaron. I'm glad you explained that. So what does that have to do with me? Here's what I want you to catch. Everyone has a for this cause statement. Everyone. You, me, everybody on the planet. There is a reason for being. There is a life's mission. We believe that life begins at conception. We believe that every life has value. We believe that every life has purpose. Why? Because that's what the Bible says. That we're wonderfully and fearfully made. That God wants to do exceedingly and abundantly above all we could think of ask. That God's given us a future and a hope. That God cares so much about every single one of us. All six plus billion people on the planet. That he knows the number of hairs on our head. Something we don't know about ourselves, God knows. There's a purpose. There's a for this cause. What's your for this cause? It's what I call an I am statement. I am created to blank. The reason I'm on this planet is to do this. This is why I am here. This is my for this cause. And, and, and don't, don't over-spiritualize this because I believe God calls people according. We're going to read this in, later on in this chapter. But in, in chapter 4, it talks about the calling that every one of us has either to vocational ministry or to marketplace ministry. But Paul will, 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 will speak very candidly that we are all ministers. See, you can't hire away your cause. You cannot pay someone to do your cause. You can't hire a preacher to do your spiritual activity or a minister or a priest to do the sacerdotal duties. No, 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 no. They're there to serve you. The job of a pastor, of a priest, or a minister is there to minister to you, there to serve you. It, it's, it's a, it's, honestly, it's an accountability. It's, I'm here for your benefit, not the opposite. And so, so the reality of all of this is, is that you have a cause. And maybe your cause is to be an architect. Maybe your cause is to be an engineer. Maybe your cause is to be a stay-at-home parent. Maybe your cause is to work at the factory. Maybe your cause is to be a mechanic. Maybe your cause is to be a student. Maybe your cause is to be a teacher. What is the I am created for? I love what Martin Luther King Jr. says. Until a man or woman knows that for which they're willing to die, they do not know that for which they're willing to live. I think this is what Paul's talking about, This for this cause. Why am I on this planet? What am I doing? This is a question that every one of us has, and we need to find the answer. And the good news is, is that the Bible says, yeah, there's a reason that you're here. And God has a plan and a purpose. He wants to give you the desires of your heart. He planted those things. He gifted you in your DNA and your very fabric and your personality and all that he created in you to do great things. But it begins with this for this cause. Everyone has a for this cause statement. Jesus had a for this cause statement. In John's gospel, chapter 18, verse 37, Jesus stands before Pilate before he goes to death on the cross. And Pilate says to him, are you a king then? And Jesus answered, you say rightly that I am the king. For this cause I was born. 
And for this cause I've come into the world, that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. And just like Paul, Jesus is for this cause fulfills God's plan. John 3, 16. For God so loved you and I that he gave his one and only son, that whoever, any of us, should believe on him would not perish but would have everlasting life. Here's what I want you to catch. Everybody has a for this cause, and everybody's for this cause is different, but they all work together to fulfill God's ultimate plan. John 3, 16. Everybody's for this cause is different, but they all work together to fulfill God's plan. Whether you go to work in the marketplace or you're in vocational ministry, it all comes together to fulfill the heartbeat of God, not willing that any should perish. That's the reason why before Jesus ascended, after the resurrection, before he ascended into heaven, he gave the great commission to go into all the world and preach and teach the gospel to every living creature, baptizing him in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's the heartbeat of God. And so God has equipped some of you to go into the marketplace. Some of you to go into the boardroom. Some of you into, to, to, to go into technical fields. And, and some of you to, to, to go into academic fields. And, and all different arrays. I believe this. We're to go into every man's world and present the gospel of Jesus Christ. We need people in Los Angeles that will be in the, in the entertainment industry. And how do you do that? I don't know, but we need people that will go into every man's world because the Bible says go into all the world. We need people that will go to Washington and, and, and political powers from K Street to the, to the White House that will, that will infiltrate that in such a way that will be a witness of who Jesus is. We need people on university campuses. Amen. We need people in pulpits. We need people on, on shop factory floors. We need people in retail outlets. We need people at the grocery store. We need people at the dry cleaners. Into every man and woman's world and everybody's for this cause ultimately works together for God's plan, for God's good, and for God's glory, which is not willing that any should perish. So when Paul says for this cause, he's saying, hey, hey, church of Ephesus, hey, Gentiles, hey, life church in the 21st century, what's your for this cause? The second statement that I see that really kind of pulls out at me is found in verses 2 and verse 7. I won't reread it, but it's this phrase, grace of God. Paul says that by the grace of God, I've been able to fulfill my for this cause. By the grace of God given to me, I've been able to. That word grace there means this. It's the ability, the energy, the strength, and the capacity given to every Christ follower to fulfill their for this cause. It is the ability, the energy, the strength, and the capacity that God gives every single one of us. To fulfill the for this cause that he's called us to. Grace is given to accomplish our individual for this cause statements. Ultimately to fulfill God's plan. And notice, this activity is happening through the person of the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit's activity in every single Christ follower's life. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. That's why I get so geeked out about the Holy Spirit. That's why we preach about the Holy Spirit and we talk about the Holy Spirit. Because the Bible says in John's Gospel that, that, that the salvation... That we receive in Jesus Christ, Romans 10, 9, and 10, when we confess with our mouth and we believe in our heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, we will be saved. That happens through the person of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's not an it, it's a he. The third person, the triune Godhead. The Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one who, who allows Jesus Christ to come in to live in your heart and in my heart, according to Revelation chapter 3, verse 19. 
It's the Holy Spirit that raised Christ from the dead that dwells in us. It's the power of God that dwells in us as believers. And so that Holy Spirit is how the grace of God, it's how the energy and the ability and the strength and the capacity to do what God's called you to do, what he's called me to do, what he's called us to do, to ultimately fulfill the plan of God, are for this cause. It's fueled by the grace of God which is given to us through the working of the Holy Spirit. That's what's so powerful. That's why we desire the gifts of the Holy Spirit. That's why we desire the moving of the Holy Spirit. That's why we desire, and, 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 and here's the thing. Sometimes people get hung up on this, and they think, well the, well, the moving of the Holy Spirit is someone speaking in tongues, or the moving of the Holy Spirit is someone operating in some physical manifestation, or the moving of the Holy Spirit. Why do you limit? There are 27 giftings of the Holy Spirit, and we talk about nine vocal gifts most of the time. I had a conversation the other day with someone who's been serving Christ longer than I've been alive. And they said to me, I've never heard that in my life. Someone who's raised and lived and attends a church that believes, they don't attend life church, they, they, but they believe in, in the moving and the power of the Holy Spirit and the person of the Holy Spirit. They, they believe that, that what God did in the New Testament, he still does today. I said, you've never heard that? No. I said the gift of hospitality is a gifting of the Holy Spirit. It opens up, it ushers, uh, it ushers open the favor and the blessings of God. We said that all the way back to when Abraham entertains the angels of God. And his hospitality opens up the blessings of God towards him. That's why we have ushers and door greeters at Life Church. There's something that is supernatural that God uses when you smile and you look at people. And you say, good morning, hi, how are you? Glad to have you. It's the reason why when someone comes into your home, you act hospitable towards them. It opens up favor and blessing. There's a spiritual activity that happens with that. And some of you thought, well, well man, just some people really have a good gift to cook and, and be nice. And some of you definitely don't have it, amen? <laughs> don't point, it's not nice. The point I'm making is this. Is that all of this grace of God, this ability, this capacity, this energy, this strength... To fulfill the for this cause of your life is given by the person of the Holy Spirit. And the last piece here that kind of fits all of this together is found in verse 4. Probably the most questioned part of this particular chapter. It's the phrase mystery of God. Mystery of God. For this cause, that's one's purpose, mission in life. Everybody has one. They all work together to fulfill God's ultimate plan, John 3.16. Grace of God, which is that ability, that capacity, that strength, that energy to fulfill the for this cause. Mystery of God. Look at, look, look at verse 4. By which, when you read, you may understand, speaking of reading of God's word, you may understand my knowledge, Paul says, in the mystery of Christ. He uses this phrase multiple times in verse 9, verse 3, verse 5. It's used throughout scripture, even in, the, even in his letter to the, to, to the church in Rome. Mystery of God is basically this. It's God's plan to save the world through Jesus. John 3, 16. This is not complicated. It's very simple. I know there are people and theologians that want to make it way more complicated than what it is. It's very simple. When he refers to the mystery of God, it's God's plan to save the world through Jesus. What does that mean? Well, verse 9 tells us it's been hidden. This mystery of God has been hidden by God and in God since the beginning of time. In the Old Testament, we see that only the priests and the prophets and the kings had any insight or any understanding to what the mystery of God was. It was only an elect, select few. And they didn't even understand it would be Jesus coming through Mary and Joseph of Nazareth. 
born in Bethlehem. They understood part of it and everything. In the Old Testament, there are what's called messianic prophecies. And messianic prophecies are the prophecies of the Old Testament about who the Messiah will be and what he will do. The probability of one, statistically speaking, of one individual being able to fulfill all the messianic prophecies of the Old Testament is the same probability if I were to take you and blindfold you and helicopter you to an area the size of the state of Texas, filled it knee-deep with silver dollars, and took one silver dollar and painted it red. You being blindfolded, I take you with a helicopter pilot and pilot you over. You tell the pilot where to stop. They drop you, blindfolded. You go down, first try. You grab the one silver dollar and a sea of silver dollars the size of the state of Texas, knee deep. And the probability of you getting it on the very first try is the same probability of one person being able to fulfill every single messianic prophecy of the Old Testament. And Jesus did it. And God knew from the beginning of time that he, Isaiah said, would be the lamb that would be slain from the foundation or the beginning of the world. But this mystery of God was held to God. And only the elect, only the priest or the prophet and a few kings were on the, on the inside of what was going on. The Bible says in verse 3 that this mystery of God has been made known today, Paul says, by revelation, which is a gifting of the Holy Spirit. So that through the person of the Holy Spirit, this mystery of God is now being made known beyond just priests and kings and prophets. And what I love about verse 5 is that verse 5 says this mystery of God is being made known through the Holy Spirit to all people. I want you to catch this. Old Testament, only a few people. Only the priest, only the prophet. That's why they were so powerful. Because they would come in and they were the oracles of God. They would speak the words of God. They had the ear of God. God did not interact with his creation. He was separated by sin. And the fulfillment of the Messiah had to come in its time. And so God hid that mystery unto himself. And he protected it there. But when Jesus Christ came and died for the sins of humanity, what happened? We see that Jesus tells them to wait in the upper room that they will be consumed with the power of the Holy Spirit. And Acts chapter 1 tells us that Jesus instructs them. Acts chapter 2 verses 1 through 4 tells us, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all in one place and in one accord. And, and, and there became like this violent rushing mighty wind. And the, uh, the Holy Spirit came to the planets, what happened. And, and, and they began to speak in other tongues. The Spirit of God gave them utterance. And, and tongues of fire set down upon them. And, and people were amazed. And 3,000 people were added to the church that day. The Holy Spirit, what, what happened in that moment? It's what the prophet Joel said in Joel 2.28. In the last days, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. So catch this. God's heartbeat is not that just a priest or a prophet or a king. Some spiritual elect group of people know the truth. God's heart is that every man, every woman, and every part of the planet know the truth. And that the mystery of God that's been hidden unto God since the beginning of time will be revealed by the power of the Holy Spirit to all mankind. That's the reason why John 3.16 is so pivotal. For God so loved the world. 
Red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in his sight. Whether it's around the corner or around the world. That's the reason why missions and going into all the world is so important. Because that's the heartbeat of God. Not willing that any should perish. And so what are you talking about, Aaron? Here's what I'm saying. At the end of all of this, this for this cause... Your cause, my cause, it all works together to fulfill the heartbeat of God. God gives us grace, strength, capacity, energy to be able to do what he's called us to do. To do what? To tell about the mystery of God that's now been made plain to all mankind. That's the power. That's the power of how this works. And the purpose behind the mystery of God does two things. First, it's to unify everything through Jesus. It's unity of everything above uh, in heaven and on earth below. We already discussed this, but in Ephesians 1.10, it says that in the dispensation of the fullness of time, he gathered together in, all, in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth in him. God wants to make Jesus famous. Everything on heaven and on earth, it all comes together through Jesus. It's all about Jesus. And so the second part of the purpose of the mystery of God is that all people of all nations will partake of the promise of life and salvation. That's what verse 6 says. We just read it. That the Gentiles should be their fellow heirs. So the Jews and the Gentiles together. One body, same body, partakers of his promise in Christ through the gospel. Paul goes on into the book of Romans, and he says this in Romans chapter 16, verse 25 and 26. Now to him that is of the power to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery, that's the same mystery we've been talking about, which was kept secret since the beginning or since the world began, but is now made manifest, it's made known, it's made physically present, and by the scriptures of the prophets according to the commands of the everlasting God made known to all nations for the obedience of faith. So what, Aaron? We're in the 21st century. I can see you're a little geeked out about this. Let's land the plane. We all have a cause. We all have a calling. What's yours? How are you doing with that? I mean, I know what mine is. I, Aaron Cole, am created to pastor. I can be a kids pastor. I can be a youth pastor. I can be an associate pastor. But I'm created to work and minister at the local level. That's how I'm hardwired. That, that's, 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 that's what the grace that God's given me, the strength, the capacity, the ability is to do this. What's he given you the grace to do? What's he given you the cause to do? You see, that, that's what you have to do. You have to understand we all have a cause and a calling. We all have grace to fulfill that cause and calling. That's the reason why you can look at my life and go, I could never do that. No, because you weren't given the grace to do that. And I can look at your life and go, I can never do what you do. No, I'm not given the grace to do that. I'm not given the strength, the energy, the, pa- the, the, the capacity, the ability to do what God's called you to do. Nor are you done, uh, called what I'm, but both of us work together to fulfill the ultimate plan of God, which is John 3.16. Not willing that any should perish. So where does the accountability come into? So glad you asked that question. The accountability comes into is that you and I will stand account before God. That's why Paul's saying this. For the cause which God's put in our life, for the grace in which he's invested in us, and the fulfillment of making known the mystery of God to all men. 
So that means when I stand in line before, before God, I, I, I'm not going to stand in line behind Billy Graham, and God's not going to say to me, hey, Aaron, why didn't you do what Billy Graham did? Why? Because that's not my for this cause. That's not the grace that I was given. Nor will he look at my grandmother who had a ninth grade education from Birmingham, Alabama, and he won't look at her and have her and expect her to do something that was on the, beyond the ability, the capacity, the strength, the grace in which he gave her to do. She had a different cause, a different calling, a different grace. But her grace and her calling worked together to fulfill the ultimate plan of God. My grace and my calling works together to fulfill the ultimate plan of God. Your grace and your calling works together to fulfill the ultimate plan of God. Whether you're working in Los Angeles in the media industry, whether you're working in politics in, in Washington, D.C., whether you are working downtown Milwaukee or you're working downtown Appleton, whether you're working in a factory, whether, whether you're building automobiles or fire trucks or air conditioning units, whether you are teaching in a local public school or you're in a private college setting, it doesn't matter. We are all called, all graced in order to make known the mystery of God. This simple gospel of John 3.16. And so then we stand before God and we give an account at a certain point. We give an accountability at a certain point. We have to give. We stand before God and God will say to me, Aaron, I gave you this calling. How'd you do with that? Aaron, I gave you this grace, this strength, this ability. How are you doing with that? Your job was to help fulfill the Great Commission. How would you do with that? And sometimes I fulfill the Great Commission by giving of my, of my resources. You so generously gave Life Church over $8,000 to, to minister through the local church there, partnering with Convoy of Hope International to, 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 the, to the victims of the flooding in, in the country of Sri Lanka and the mudslides. So sometimes it's through my financial giving. Sometimes it's through me volunteering of my time and serving. I know you think this is crazy, but at, when we do things like at the Germantown campus, we, we work the 4th of July parade for the community, and we hand out bottles along the, water bottles along the parade route. There are people that attend Life Church today that were not Christ followers before that saw you doing a simple act of kindness in the name of Jesus. The Holy Spirit used that to draw them. They came to a Life Church service. They gave their life to Christ, and they attend Life Church today because of your act of kindness. 